Hello everybody, thanks for tuning in online. Uh, my name is David Stockton, I'm the lead pastor at Living Streams Church, and I just wanted to give you an update on some of the things happening around here. 2019 was just an awesome year for us. We got to really see some of the things we were hoping to see happen, which is always fun. Um, we really focused on trying to strengthen families this year, as the family dynamic is something that God created and, and there's so much good that can happen when family is done right. We also got to launch life groups as a part of that endeavor where we have people opening up their homes and kind of having church around a table in smaller contexts during the week. And we had almost 400 people participate in that and a lot of them are still continuing on. We're really excited about the opportunities those life groups bring for further ministry, further teaching and education and discipleship, and just true community and friendship as well. In 2020, um, we already have a lot of ideas and a lot of vision that we've been paring down and are ready to run. We're really chomping at the bit in a lot of ways to get there. And, and what we want to do is we want to continue to push forward on our missions hopes. We want to be a sending church where we send out 50 long-term missionaries by 2025. And as, as this video airs, we'll have already probably prayed and sent out for uh, nine of them and, uh, and are continuing to meet with people who are saying they're feeling stirred in that way as well. So that's been exciting. We're also gonna try and launch some evangelistic endeavors next year. Um, we really feel like the Lord's calling us that way to educate ourselves, to, to teach ourselves, and then to stir up the courage and the boldness to go ahead and, and invite people to come into the church or reaching out to places where we know people are not living with the light and the warmth of Christ. Um, so we're gonna be challenged a little bit in a good way, but we know it's really near and dear to our Lord's heart that we do that. So really what we're asking is that you would consider at this time continuing to participate with us and, and even potentially giving to Living Streams, whether it's a year-end gift or whether we're going into 2020. Um, the, the giving that you do really does help fuel the ministry here. And we always wanna make sure that you're able to give cheerfully. Second Corinthians chapter six is real clear that we are supposed to, to give cheerfully and uh, the Lord loves a cheerful giver. So we've said it before and we'll keep saying it that if cheerfulness is not really what's in your heart as you see, seek to give, um, then you can just hold off for, for a season and, and wait till that stirs up because that is what the Lord wants. That's the gifts that He loves. So if you can have joy and abundance in your heart and, and you really do believe in the ministry of Living Streams or maybe I've been able to experience um, some goodness from the ministry of Living Streams, we'd love for you to give as we continue to try and put God's glory on display, build courageous people and engage in society's pain both here in Phoenix and around the world. God bless you. cards we wish we weren't, breakdowns in relationships, finances, or work. We deal with family dysfunction, work pressure, or failing health. The minute we wake up, we are submerged into a world that feels dark and unforgiving. We are often desperate to get our heads above water and just breathe. But in the middle of it all, there is a remedy to the ache in the world. There is a quiet power that sits in the midst of the oppressive noise. This remedy, this power, finds its fullness in the presence of Jesus. Where the shadow of sorrow falls, He is our joy. Where confusion reigns, He is peace. Where despair triumphs, He is our only hope. And when hate seems to rule the atmosphere, He is unveiled as the greatest power known to humanity, love. 
This story of redemption began 2,000 years ago with the appearing of the one, and it continues today. And one day every sorrow will be wiped away, every pain dealt will be redeemed. But in the meantime, he gives us the greatest gift that he can give himself. Amen to that. Good morning, everybody. It's good to see you. Thanks for being here. Um, feeling Christmassy? Is it happening yet? Yeah? Yeah, it's been fun for me too. My kids are all super excited every day. How many days? How many days? And one time I think we told them it, was, it already happened and they missed it. But that was rude. Rude but awesome. Because <laughs> I think a couple of them believed us. But anyways... Um, welcome to Living Streams. We are, uh, we are very excited about what the Lord's done this last year, 2019, and um, it's, it's giving way to excitement for next year. Uh, we've been really since August trying to dive in and see what the Lord might have for us for next year as far as vision and leadership and, and uh, direction, and, and really uh, we, we think we've got it pretty clear um, that the Lord wants us to next year make disciples. Um, we really are going to have an evangelistic push, and I know if you're like me, that word can conjure up some not so happy feelings sometimes, um, but we're going to try and figure out how to really do what Jesus asked us to do, to go and make disciples and baptize them. And, and so just a couple things. We're going to spend the first half of the year really trying to understand ourselves what spiritual formation looks like and what brings it about, discipleship. And then we're going to spend the second half of the year going for it. And um, my hope is that in some ways by the end of next year, every one of you will, will baptize someone. And I'm not, I'm not like being kind of funny with that. I mean, I really do hope that. Um, you'll be in the water with someone baptizing them by the end of next year. And, uh, and not, not that, like, if that doesn't happen, you failed and you're a horrible person. But, but that, that is what Jesus said. Go into all the world, make disciples, and baptize them. And, uh, and that's going to be a little bit of our, our hope next year. And I get to baptize people sometimes, and I don't even know them at all. Like, literally, they're just like, you're a pastor, I want to get baptized, will you baptize me? Yeah, for sure. But I always try and ask them, well, who's been significant in your life that's helped you make this decision? And then try and get in the water with them as well. But um, anyways, we'll talk more about that. Today we're talking about hope. Anybody feeling hopeful? Yeah, Cardinal fan out there feeling hopeful? Yeah, Sun Devil fans feeling hopeful? Woohoo! Yeah, good luck. Um, but... Before we do that, we're going to do like we have been doing. We're going to have a, a reading. We're getting a little liturgical here. Uh, some of you love it. Some of you are freaked out. Don't worry. Don't freak out. Um, we're, we're, we're not doing anything different. We're just using a, 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 a practice that the church has used for lots and lots of years to help teach and educate. Um, and, and so that's what we're doing. So Eddie here is going to read for us a passage from the Old Testament that is a prophecy speaking about God and what he does. And then after that, he's going to light some candles, the candles of Advent. And, uh, and then we're going to do a little responsive reading about why we light those candles. I'll say, why we, I'll say we're going to light the candle and you respond to that. So it's not, it's not hard. It's not difficult. Um, it's good for you. Let's all stand, kind of get, get our minds focused a little bit, see if we can receive something from the Lord right now. Um, all right, you ready? Okay, go for it, Eddie. 
was out of the book of Micah, chapter 7, verses 1 through 9. What misery is mine? I am like one who gathers summer fruit, and at the gleaning of the vineyard, there is no cluster of grapes to eat, none of the early figs that I crave. The faithful have been swept from the land. Not one upright person remains. Everyone lies in wait to shed blood. They hunt each other with nets. Both hands are skilled in doing evil. The ruler demands gifts. The judge accepts bribes. The powerful dictate what they desire. They all conspire together. The best of them is like a briar. The most upright, worse than a thorn hedge. The day God visits you has come. The day your watchmen sound the alarm. Now is the time of your confusion. Do not trust a neighbor. Put no confidence in a friend. Even with the woman who lies in your embrace, guard the words of your lips. For a son dishonors his father, a daughter rises up against her mother, a daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law, a man's enemies are, in the, are the members of his own household. But as for me, I watch in the hope for the Lord. I wait for God my Savior. My God will hear me. Do not gloat over me, my enemy. Though I have fallen, I will rise. Though I sit in darkness, the Lord will be my light. Because I have sinned against him, I will bear the Lord's wrath until he pleads my case and upholds my cause. He will bring me out into the light and I will see his righteousness. The word of the Lord. Uh, today, we light the candles of Advent to remember God's voice lights us in the darkness. It's a stressful situation up here. <laughs> well, now what we're going to do is we're going to, um, I'm going to read, we light Hope's candle. Um, each of the candles represents something that Jesus brought. The first one is joy, and we talked about that. The second one is peace, and Ryan spoke about that last week, and we're doing hope today. So I'm going to say we light Hope's candle, and you can put the words up on the screen, and then you're going to respond with the underlined part. And... Uh, and last week you were supposed to be peaceful, this week you're supposed to be hopeful, okay? So get your best little kids Sunday morning feeling in there, let it grow inside you, and uh, let's do this. We light hope's candle. We light hope's candle. Yeah, we light hope's candle. We light hope's candle. Hmm. And we light hope's candle. Yeah. Let's pray. Jesus, we do thank you that you came. You came into our darkness, into our madness, into our loneliness, into our despair. And you brought light. And you brought hope and joy and peace and love. Not, not the stuff that this world can muster up. 
but a supernatural, divine hope, joy, peace, and love. And we really do pray that we would be able to receive it anew if we never have and receive it again if we have received you already, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. You can have a seat. Make yourself comfortable. And uh, yeah, in this passage, we have a prophet of God, Micah, who is... Um, who's not just telling a story, he's not just writing a song, he's, he's really sharing from his sentiment, his feelings of misery, of looking around the world that he lived in and seeing not a lot of things to be hopeful about. And yet, in the midst of all of that, he says he will put his hope in the Lord. He will wait for the Lord, because he knows God has something up his sleeve. And when we talk about hope, a biblical concept of hope really is that. It has a lot to do with waiting, has a lot to do with anticipation and expectation. The way I define it is basically hope is a stubborn yet persistent and even at times pesky expectation of coming good. Just like my kids, you know, leading up to Christmas, they just think Christmas is going to be great. They don't know what the financial situation is. They don't know what's going on. They don't know if they'll be healthy or sick. Or, or any, we, had a, we were all sick two Christmases ago. It was just miserable. For them, they didn't care. They still knew somehow something good is coming with Christmas. And that, that really is an insight into what hope is all about from a biblical concept. And it's not just some sort of kind of like shallow optimism where you just gotta be positive all the time, be positive. But it's looking at the God that we serve and looking at what he's done throughout history and looking at what he's done in your own life and really going, any minute now, he's gonna show up with something amazing. And sometimes those waiting seasons can be very long. And they can get very, very dark. And that's what the world was experiencing. That's what the Hebrew community, the Israelite community was experiencing when out of nowhere, without any of them actually knowing it except for a virgin mom and a really confused boyfriend, fiance, right? <laughs> and some shepherds. They were the only ones that were able to be there that night when God pulled something out of the hat, pulled something out of his sleeve that was gonna really change human history forevermore. Because he's a God of surprises. He's a God of anticipation and expectation. And this Advent season is basically where we try and stir up once again the anticipation that we serve a God of surprises. A God who loves to come on the scene when you least expect it, when you think there's no hope, and burst in with so much hope that it actually heals the world. And so this is what we're doing. We're trying to once again stir up this anticipation, once again remember who this God is. We take time to remember when God intervened in humanity's story, changing it forever. And we do this to stir up hope and anticipation that God will move 
in our own lives and households. Once again, and ultimately that God will come and intervene once again with another advent when he comes to give us a new heaven and a new earth. And what I think is so important that we remember is that what Jesus brings with his advent is not circumstantial. It's supernatural. Now track with me here for just a second. Jesus came into the world, God, fully God, divine, before the foundation of the world was, created the world out of his own power, sustains the entire world by the power of his word. Fully God, yet wrapped in baby's flesh, and grows and walks in this world. And yet, didn't overthrow Roman oppression. Said things like, the poor you will have with you always. And healed many, but not everyone. What he came to do was not necessarily change all the circumstances with this coming. We still have a world that's under a curse. We still have sorrow, confusion, anxiety, despair, and hate. There's no doubt about that. We're pretending if we believe something else. Yet what he came was to plant something in the world, his kingdom, his light, his hope and peace and joy and love, which is not like what the world brings. It's supernatural. It can sustain whatever waves of sorrow and challenge might come. He came to implant something in our world, and he wants to do the same in each of our souls from day to day, hour to hour, heartbreak to heartbreak, challenge to challenge. You see, the circumstances around us don't need to dictate what our hope is. It's something that only God can bring. And we talked about a couple weeks ago how God, he's called, or we're, we're told in his presence is fullness of joy. To be with God, even for a moment, is to, is to kind of just giggle and laugh. He's the most joyful being there is. And I know we don't get that picture of God a lot. We see him as this very severe father who's just wanting to kill everyone's joy. But the Bible teaches that God is so joyful. When you're in his presence, you're barely even touching the ground because his joy is so full. And that he's the prince of peace and he brings peace into our madness, into our challenges. And it's a peace that starts out small, but it ends up overcoming and begins to guard our hearts and minds. It passes our understanding. It's a powerful peace. And this hope that he brings is just as powerful. You see, in the, in the Bible, there's a few different words that I want to introduce you to that, that describe hope. Um, the first one is yakal. Everybody say yakal. Now say it like a Hebrew. Yakal. Right? You got to get a ha 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 in there, okay? Very guttural. Yachal. Yachal, it basically means to wait. <laughs> now, when we think of hope, we, for, we, we're like, hope is when you're excited about something. But really, a biblical concept of hope is waiting. Waiting. And a picture that they give us to this is when uh, 
Noah sent out the, the, the bird to go see if the bird could find land while he was waiting for the waters to subside. They'd been in the ark for many, many months and they're not sure if they can get out of the ark or what's happening out there. So they send out birds and that's that picture of he was waiting for God. There was nothing much he could do. He had to just wait for God to act. For one day, all of a sudden, word to come back from a bird or not come back from a bird, I guess, the bird stayed. And he would know, okay, something is happening. The waters are going down. We're closer to being able to get out of this boat that we hate at this point, I'm sure. <laughs> A call to wait, to wait. And then there's another one, kava. Everybody say kava. Now say it like a Hebrew, kava. Yeah. And this is to wait with expectation. There's kind of this more, uh, this tension building, this mounting, where either it could be like Christmas Day is coming, and the tension is mounting. It's 10 days now, and it's eight days, eight days, seven days. And you just, you can feel this, like we know something is coming, and we know when it's coming. And so there's this anticipation, there's this mounting tension, excitement as, as the rope tightens and tightens and tightens. Or it can also apply to the situation where the heartache or the challenge or the hurt or the pain is escalating so much so that you really don't think you can take it anymore. And yet you wait with expectation for God to come and ease the pain or heal the pain. And this is what the Bible talks about, the hope that we're supposed to have. And now the challenge of it is when you're waiting for something, that means you don't know when it's going to come. You're like the kid in the car. Are we there yet? Are we there yet? Are we there yet? And that's what we do with the Lord. And this last week, I, I, I mean, I don't know why exactly, except for I was teaching a message on hope, so this is kind of the way my life goes. I was with people who have been carrying sorrow, heavy, heavy burdens of sorrow for years and years and years, and some of them decades. Sorrows of a body that's been sick for a long, long time. And prayer after prayer, hope after hope, surgery after surgery has brought about no, no, no progress. And it's been decades. And I was with someone who had their heart broken by a child that had grown in their love and in their care and then rejected them. And the heartache that comes with that was with someone who lost his beloved wife many, many years as part of our church. An awesome couple. And they'd fought a long, long battle with health issues Many times saying, God, could you just take her? Have mercy on us in that way. It's just heaviness all around. And then I listened to that stupid Coldplay song called Daddy. Oof. And I remembered that there's a whole world out there with no dads living in the home and all the confusion that that brings. And I was like, Lord, I'm supposed to speak on hope. 
What's going on? And yet the hope that the, the, that the Lord brings, a lot of times it is, it's, it's a waiting. It, it, it's not necessarily hope comes and then you feel good. That's no longer hope. When something that you hope for shows up, it, it no longer is hope. Now you can have joy. But hope is actually that tense feeling. Like I said, it's sometimes pesky. As we wait in anticipation for the Lord to come. And oftentimes he doesn't come on our terms or in our timeline. And then there's a New Testament word that's called el peace. You want to try that one? Everybody say el peace. I don't know how to do it Greek-ish, so I'm just going to have to, I guess, be like an elf or something. I always feel like the elves in Lord of the Rings. It's like, oh, yeah, that sounds like Greek. Whatever. But el peace is to answer, anticipate usually with pleasure. And it's this kind of, you know, a little bit more of a, it's like not so much angst in the waiting. If you think of the Israel people, the Jewish people, and kind of their existence throughout life, there's been a lot of pain that they've endured as they've waited for God to show up. And yet God has been faithful at the same time. And in the New Testament, we have kind of a little bit different kind of a Greek context in all of this. And it's usually um, to anticipate with pleasure. Maybe there's not so much pain involved, but there still is this anticipation. And the way that it's, sum it's summed up best is in Romans 15, 13. Um, and this is a verse I really want to focus on for the rest of our time. Paul is writing, and, and he says, May the God of peace... Sorry. May the God of expectation or anticipation, who is so full of surprises, fill you with joy and peace as you take steps in the direction that he is leading you, so that you may overflow with expectation and anticipation through the power of the Holy Ghost. This is kind of my paraphrasing of, of, the, of the verse. It, it's, uh, it's real simple. It's about the God of hope filling you with joy and peace so that you can overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Ghost. And I, and, I, and I really think that if we're gonna sum it up well, we have to really understand that our God, first of all, is a God of expectation, anticipation, who is full of surprises. This is the way the Bible depicts God. Remember that story where the children of Israel, they have a cliff on either side. They have this sea in front of them that they can't pass. And then they have Pharaoh's army coming at them this way. It's a moment of despair. It's a moment of uncertainty and fear. And yet Moses pleads to the Lord, God, what do we do? And he hears back from the Lord, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Put your hope in God. Wait with anticipation towards God. Let the tension seep into your soul, but let it not take over. Hang on to hope. And Moses does. However that is, stand still and see the salvation of the Lord. Okay. <laughs> and he's standing still and he's waiting. And all of a sudden, the fire comes out of the sky and separates the people from the Egyptians for a moment. And then after that, the fire comes and goes and parts the sea. And now it's on both sides and, and they go and they start crossing the sea. Moses and all his people, a way was made where there was no way. God was full of surprises. God led them to this point, not so they could feel despair, but so they could understand the challenge of it all, so that when he showed up, it would have full significance. 
There's meaning in every pain and challenge we go through. God is setting the stage for him to do something that will cause you to overflow with hope through the power of the Holy Spirit. For me, this showed up in a real interesting way one time in my life. I had uh, made a decision and acted upon that decision. And the result that happened um, was I was totally gripped with uncertainty and I was crippled with fear. The way I can describe it to you is I was in a seminary class um, in the next few days and I couldn't pay attention at all. I hadn't slept at all. I was just considering what my next move needed to be because things had gone so wrong and I was considering just moving away. Um, I needed to get away from everything, every relationship. I needed to go back to into hiding. I mean, I literally was just lost. And I was writing, I had a piece of paper in front of me in the class, and all I could do is I just started drawing a picture of a, of a dead tree. <laughs> I know it's like so melodramatic. But, I mean, that's literally all I could do. And I'm not artistic or anything, but, but I just was drawing, and I just, I just felt so good to, to kind of feel my mind and my heart be able to express itself through my hand onto this paper. And I was drawing, and the tree looked really dead and, and gruesome. Um, and... Uh, and as I was drawing this tree, I, I got done with it, and it, just, it was just a sad, miserable sight. And I was just kind of like searching every fiber of my being. It just, that's what was coming out. And it was, just, it was just somewhat cathartic, even though it wasn't helpful. And as I looked at this tree, there was this little voice that I heard kind of speak to my heart and says, Are you being completely honest? And I knew where that voice was coming from. I'd heard the voice of the Lord before, the gentle whispers. And I was like, yes, I'm being completely honest. <laughs> I'm miserable. And, you know, in some ways, it's your fault. It's my fault. Where were you? I follow you. I'm in seminary for crying out loud. How could I be in this situation? And, uh, and I literally started a wrestling match with the Lord. And it was over one thing. Should I put one leaf on the tree or not? <laughs> I'm not joking you. This was a battle in my soul. I mean, I can laugh about it now, but it was intense because I was like, no, there is no hope. There is no leaf on the tree. There's no life left. I've never been this way before. And I had been through real heartache before. And I just had this rush. And 99.9% .9 of me was saying, no way am I putting a leaf on that tree. But that stubborn, persistent, pesky hope that God brings was 0.1% and it won the day. And I ended up going, all right, fine. And I put one little leaf on the tree. And I got found this picture later on. This is not what I drew. Lord, this is not even close to what I drew. <laughs> um, but I, I, was, I actually shared this in a message, I don't know how many years ago, but, um, but this, when I saw this online, I just thought, yeah. And it was very interesting because that, that was my soul. But I can tell you honestly, not, I mean, I'm, I'm kind of a, 
um, introverted, like sadness is a little easier for me than, than joy. Um, so it was really difficult for me to put that leaf on the tree. But if I was honest, I knew God. I knew he was full of surprises. And having this little moment with him, I knew that there was hope. There was hope and there always would be. And so what was interesting is when I found this tree, I thought this so much better. Pop that thing back up. This so much better sums up exactly what I was going through. Because the, the bird, there's a bird there. And I, that bird was the pesky, stalwart, hope, presence of God speaking to me saying, are you really being honest? Are you really being honest? Because God knew that there was hope somewhere in my heart. And he wanted me to kind of focus in on that. And as I spent time with him and continued to put my hope in him, sure enough, that, that time, which I thought was going to be the worst decision I've ever made in my life, has ended up being the second greatest decision I've ever made in my life. And I'm so thankful for it. And that's where hope really kind of has its greatest power, is in those moments of real despair. That's where God comes in and he plants something that grows and grows and grows. And it's not a hope that's just kind of this, oh, I think things will be good. It's a hope that looks back to see who God is, to see how God has acted in history, and to see how God has acted in our own lives. And that brings you to this point where you can't really despair completely. You got to know that he's come through many times before and he's going to come through again in some way. That's going to make sense. And we also hold on to this hope that in the end, God will come. God will reveal himself. God will make things new. And in that moment, there's a verse in Revelation that says, and we will look, everyone gathered will look and will say, righteous and true are your judgments, O God. Even the ones that make no sense now. Even the ones that seem impossible that they could ever bring out any good at all. We will look at that point and from his perspective, from truth's perspective, we'll be able to say, you didn't miss a thing. You didn't wait too long ever. You always knew what you were doing and you really were always in control. And until that moment of true realization, we have hope. We wait with anticipation. And if we can get to that New Testament perspective where God actually sent his son and his son demonstrated the love of God so clearly that he was crucified on a cross. And if God is not willing, if God is willing to give his own son, how much more will he not really give you every good thing? Our hope is based in Jesus and what he did. And if Jesus was willing to do that for us, he's willing to do every good thing for us. That's where our hope comes from. So what is hope? It's a stubborn, persistent, and unfailing expectation of coming good based on the consistently demonstrated goodness of God. What does hope produce in our lives? Well, the New Testament teaches that whoever has this hope purifies himself. Whoever has this hope purifies himself because you won't be looking to other hopes. False hopes, counterfeit hopes, idolatry, 
Whoever has this hope purifies himself. That's 1 John chapter 3, or verse 1, verse chapter, chapter 1, verse 3. And then whoever has this hope has an anchor for their soul, is what we're taught in the book of Hebrews chapter 6. This hope becomes an anchor of your soul. That's like that picture I just showed you guys. My, my sea was in torment. The winds were raging everywhere. I thought I was going to be cast upon the rocks. And yet, if I was completely honest, I knew that there was something holding me. And that this wasn't really going to be my end. Like Abraham, I was able to hope against all hope. And lastly, whoever has this stubborn and persistent expectation can find joy and peace. That's what Romans 15 tells us. May the God who is so full of hope give you joy and peace so that you may overflow with hope. So whoever has this hope can find joy and peace no matter what the external circumstances might be. And where does this hope come from? We're told in Romans 15, 13, it comes through the Holy Spirit when a person is in relationship with the God of hope. To be in the presence of God is to be in the presence of joy. It's to be with the Prince of Peace, and it's to be with the God of hope. And so for those of you who are in a season of uncertainty, of despair, of fear, you can spend time with Jesus. And through the power of his Spirit, he will give you a supernatural hope a sustaining, anchoring, purifying, joyful, peaceful hope. How's that sound? Yeah? All right, well, let's pray. And as we do, I, I'm, I just want us to kind of get our hearts and minds ready to receive from the Lord. We're going to all be able to come forward personally on our own to receive communion today, but um, I want to talk to two different groups of people real quick. The first is people who don't know Jesus, who have not made him the Lord of your life, who have not cried out to, the, to Jesus to come and save them. And if you're a person that doesn't know Jesus, the Bible's very clear that it's not complicated to begin a relationship with him. The Bible says that if you confess with your mouth that he is Lord and you believe in your heart that he is risen from the dead, you are saved. God will come and dwell inside you through his spirit. He will fill you with hope and joy and peace, not like the world gives, like nothing you've experienced before. And I just want to give an invitation for you today. If you're ready to say yes to Jesus and invite him to be the Lord of your life, I'm just going to say a quick prayer, and you can repeat after me. It's between you and God. That's the way it starts. And if you're ready to do that, just repeat after me. Say, Heavenly Father, I want to be your son or daughter. I want to experience your forgiveness because I know I have sinned. 
and I want to be filled with your hope and your joy and your peace. So I pray that by your Spirit, you would come into my life and be my guide and be my comforter and be my God. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Amen. And now for this other group, those who might be in real despair, those who might be really hurting or you have a loved one who's hurting and you're carrying that burden as well, I want you to just remember that it's in God's presence that you find the hope. I want you just to take a minute and really kind of search your own soul and see what kind of tree you might draw if afforded the opportunity. And allow the Lord to come and minister his hope because he is a God of hope. And what we're going to do in that is everyone's invited to the table where Jesus asks us to come and remember his broken body and his shed blood. Remember that he was willing to give us everything. And if he's willing to give us everything, then we can have hope that in our circumstances he'll come and intervene in the way that he knows is best. But this is a time just for you and the Lord. So you could come up, you can grab a cup and a bread, you can stay up here by the stairs, or you can go back to your seat, whatever you're comfortable with. But this is a time to just kind of be at peace and spend some time with the Lord and allow his hope to come. And then we'll conclude with a song after that.